Hello and welcome to the Super Awkward Funcast with your hostess, Al Latham. Um, let's do the intro. Cue the intro <laughs> song, the theme song. Here we go. <laughs> see if I can remember it. It's so hard to remember the words. Super Awkward Funcast. You're listening to the Super Awkward Funcast. Yeah. So no one's here yet. And um, I have to tell you that this is going to be an hour and a half. And there are no ifs and whatever. There are no. I'm not going to make it longer. I'm not going to make it two hours. Don't worry. So this is an hour and a half long episode. I got to get straight to it. Some big shit happened today that upset me to my very core because I saw it coming. And even when you see it coming, you still were like, you're still like, you know, it still sucks. <laughs> it doesn't make it any less sucky when you see it coming. It kind of makes it worse than sucky. But anyway, yeah, the whole thing with the student loan debt thing, like that didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen. We know, you know, by that point, by like February, I knew, but like, or was it January? I don't know. It was a long time ago when I kind of knew that none of that was going to happen because of the way they did it. So here's like what they did. So they being the people behind Biden, because he doesn't do shit because we know that he's a puppet. But like every president, he's a puppet. But they're puppets too, and they're doing the bidding of somebody else as well. So, anywho, so the educate department, Department of Education, and all those guys or whatever, those people, those blood sucking minions, um, they made it so that they could use the Heroes Act, which was that fake ass bill that like helped a whole lot of rich people, which was the whole point of the pandemic. And by the way, I'm going to be super based on here. And I just wanted to tell you because in case you did not know, I will tell you, <laughs> I did the live stream last month on I did two di different ones. And I did one on YouTube. And that shit got like, taken down for medical misinformation by the AI. I pissed off the AI so much with that episode on Elon and everything that they're like, no, no, no. And not only that, but I also got copyright striked in the next thing that I did, which was the stream of the Biden speech, not the Biden speech people, not the people who put that mess on. Um, but it was the Apple, it was Apple for the Apple Vision Pro thing, the commercial that I put on without playing any music. It doesn't matter apparently if you play music or not, or not the music, but like the commercial itself, just having it visually there was enough to trigger the AI bots. And then I had to go and trim it for the first time I had to edit, have them edit, the AI edit or whatever. I mean, it's an AI that had to have an edit of my video where I didn't really have a say in it. So that was kind of annoying to have it up at all. So I might even like just say fuck it and just delete that or something. I don't know, but we'll see. 
But anyway, it's getting hard on YouTube, so we're going to do some YouTube shit on here so we don't have any issues with strikes and whatnot on YouTube when I get to YouTube. So let's start by getting back to the Heroes Act thing. Heroes Act was using, okay, so it could make it possible for the Department of Education and everything to put it in place that any changes that they wanted to make and cite the reason because of the national emergency of the COVID that they faked um, as an emergency. So they could use that to do the pause of the student loans payments and then also to wipe out the student debt, which is what they tried to do. And it wasn't even to wipe out the student debt. We're talking about like $10,000 most student loan uh, loans. Um, I'm having trouble with my plurality, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so for instance, my student loan would have gotten taken down to like 4,000, a little less than 4,000, which would have been basically interest <laughs> because I paid 23,000 or something like that. 23,000 something dollars or 24,000 something close to 25,000. We'll say, um, was the amount of my student loans, which are four. I have four of them. They were for four different years. I went to college for four years. Uh, oddly enough, it was community college because maths hates my ass so much. And they didn't let me use a calculator on the first test that I took to get in the, like, place into a math course in uh, the school. I got fucked and I had to stay there for four years to get all the credits that I needed to get so that I could get a degree, which totally happened between you and I. Um, anyway, so there's that. Uh, that's what they used. The basis for their argument or whatever with the Supreme Court was on this HEROES Act thing and the national emergency. Then we cut to before the Supreme Court does makes their decision, their final decision, they heard a case on both sides, um, like the arguments, a, a while ago, a few months ago, and then they were going to decide in June, July, or whatever. And before that happened, well, we know that the national emergency ended. And that's not, that's not by accident that that happened in May. Wasn't it May? I'm going to make sure that was May. Let me go ahead and do a little checky check. National emergency COVID. Y'all remind me if that was May or not. I'm pretty sure it was last month. May 10th or something. Oh no, I'm in Bangkok. I have to be in the U.S. U.S. What happens when it ends? Oh, fuck off, Brave. Okay. Can I say something about Brave real quick? Brave search? Y'all suck now because you're using AI like everybody else. And how are you any different? You're not. I'm just saying. You're part of the problem. Okay. On January 30th, 2023... After, I believe that was after the arguments. I'm going to find this out because I'm going to get to the bottom of this situation. I'm going to go start page. Shout out to start page. That's what I use now. 
Fuck you, Brave. I mean, you're good for a browser, but not for private searching anymore. Just saying. Like, I don't want to see AI every fucking where. It's like, enough. Enough with AI. I have a problem with AI, but it's mostly the people who make the AI that I have a problem with, not the AI itself. I really don't know them like that, but anyway. Uh, what are we going to do? We're going to do... Um, I can't remember what I was doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Arguments. Uh, Supreme Court arguments. I'm trying to... Find the connection here. Arguments. This was a while ago. And I even covered it and everything. Um, student loan forgiveness. Do, do, do. And by the way, there are people, I'm sure, who think that I was all pro this plan or whatever out there. I... I never believed in this plan, so no. Okay, now it's all about today, and that's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, so I'll say arguments. Let me say January, see if that works. Ah. January. Because I really feel like it was around January. Damn it. Do y'all have a timeline? Because that would be really great to have. Oh, here we go. Four months ago. All right. So, thank you, Internet. Four months ago was February. Okay, so February. But on January 30th, before the arguments even happened, interestingly enough, the Biden administration announced its intent to end the national emergency and public health emergency declarations on May 11th. Sorry, it was May 11th, 2023. So they had already planned to take away the basis for this whole thing that they had. And that's what happened. And so you wonder why it didn't go through. Well, gee, I, I don't know. Maybe it really had no legal fucking standing, you fucking idiots. So... That's what happened. And then we cut to today where he comes out and he blames the Republicans. Oh, the Republicans did this and they did that and they made it so difficult. Oh, fuck off. It was you. You promised something. You did not deliver. You knew you couldn't deliver. You made it so that you couldn't deliver. Not just you, but like the education people, the people in charge of every fucking thing. Y'all did that on purpose. It was a controlled demolition of the economy via student loan debt forgiveness. Psych, never mind. And you know what that's going to bring about is more fucking debt and more people being upset and not paying their debt. So they're going to be even more annoyed with you and going to lash out at you by not paying. And now you're trying to fix it with Neosporin, as I said before to my mother, uh, shout out to my mother, who's totally listening to this at some point. No, she's not. But anyway, instead of a Band-Aid and letting there be a temporary period of 12 months that you can just not pay your student loan payments. And then, you know, you'll be okay. You won't go into default and all that stuff. So how is that fucking helpful? How is that the same? It's not. And also, fun fact, you could have used the Higher Education Act, which you're starting to use now, in the first place 
to wipe out pretty much all the debt if you wanted to. Not saying that was a good that would be a good idea and that I approve of it. I'm just saying that was an option that was available to them that they did not take. They didn't take that opportunity to do that. They didn't tell the truth about the legal standing or lack thereof in this case, which is really fucking annoying because they kept lying every fucking time it was brought up by reporters at the press briefings and even again today and then gaslighting people into thinking that, you know, I did everything that I could. No, you didn't fight at all. You didn't do anything at all. You just sat on your ass and watched shit not happen. And you call that, you know, doing your job. That's what your job is, I guess. And falling down a lot. He falls down a lot. Good for him. And now he has sleep apnea. Four more years. Okay. Well, let's get to him because we got to get it to his damn, these damn parts that we listen to. And ain't nobody here except me, I think. <laughs> so welcome when you get here. If you get here during this, welcome. That won't make sense because I'm saying it before you're here. Anyway, whatever. Thanks for being here when you're here, whoever you are. I love you all. <laughs> whatever. Anyway, um, let's just listen to this fucking Yahoo. And I'm going to turn the volume down this time because I think it was too loud on the videos that I played because I was close. The mic wasn't as much of an issue, so I'm trying to get adjusted to the mic situation. So, you know, bear with me on that. I'm trying to get the audio where it should be. I'm very happy that I found a way to make it so that my audio isn't shit. So, yay. Here we go. That's not good for them or the economy. That's why we're creating a temporary 12-month, what we're calling, on-ramp repayment program. Now, it's about the same as a student loan pause. At all. You know what? Another fucking thing about them, i got to interrupt, is in the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and I told you about this, I showed you this, I talked about it elsewhere as well. Shout out to Monotalk. Love that show. I'll be on soon, hopefully. Um, sorry it's taking a minute. I've been busy this month dealing with shit. But, oh yeah, happy Pride Month, by the way. This is exactly how we wanted to end it, right? <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a second. That's also a Supreme Court thing. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that too much. But, like, there were a couple of uh, bad things before when after this. Anywho, um... I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only did they do that with the whole Heroes Act and the whole um, promising shit that you can't deliver on and then the national emergency ending and everything, not only did they do that, but I forgot the point I was going to make. Hold on, let me get back to him. the past three years, monthly payments will be due Oh, they stopped the pause again. They extended or they extended the pause and then in the Fiscal Responsibility Act, they had a provision in there that they were going to stop the pause indefinitely in the extension of the 
student loan payments due to the COVID and everything. They agreed to that in that document, in that agreement with the Republicans. They both agreed that they were going to stop the payments. That was the Democrats. That was this administration. And now they got to go back and be like, well, fuck. Here's our on-ramp. Here's our temporary 12-month like eviction thing. Like, Just don't pay the rent, and then it'll keep accruing interest. But don't worry about it until the 13th month when you get fucked and stuck with that bill. Same thing with the student loans. Here we go. Bills will not go out and interest will be accruing. And during this period, you can pay... How about you fucking fuck off? Get rid of the interest. This is my fucking solution to it. Like, to a lot of the debt is eliminate the interest entirely on government held, on federal student loans specifically. Federal student loans, you get a federal loan from the government, from the DOE, and you don't have to pay interest the entire fucking time. So you can be a little safer, a little less burdened by that financial difficulty that you already are facing when you are going through school and figuring out where to go, what what to do afterwards and everything like that. And to be honest, like I lived well while I was in school, I probably wouldn't have taken out such a big loan, but it made it so that I could go to school and be able to pursue my other interests, um, acting and producing and everything. And, and I wasn't living that well. I wasn't living in my own place or anything like that, or even with a place with one person or two people. I lived with five fucking people at once. So I paid my dues. I, you know, paid my little bit of rent. I, did my best to live modestly on those loans, but they did save me from being like on the street and shit. So, which I would have been if I couldn't pay for them. I mean, if I couldn't have those loans. So I'm speaking from experience here. Eliminate the student uh, loan interest because it goes high and higher, higher, higher. And I didn't even know how much I owed on interest until I looked after all of this shit started happening. And then I found out it was like four, almost 4,000 or something that like, that's over a few years. That's not even over that long. Um, it has not even been 10 years since I've been out of school. If you can believe that. Yeah. I have not been out of school for 10 years. It's been less than 10 years. So yeah, like crazy shit. Like they won't even do anything about that. That's how you know they're full of shit that they don't even fix that problem. They can't even get rid of that. Oh, but you're like, oh no, it'll accrue interest while you wait to pay it. Yeah, that always works well, doesn't it? Your monthly bills you should. But if you cannot, if you miss payments, this on-ramp temporarily remove the threat of default or having your credit harm, which can hurt borrowers for years to come. Because the Department of Education won't refer borrowers. And the reason why that will work they won't refer borrowers miss payments to credit agencies for 12 months. He does not make sense. He does not make sense in his speeches or his anything he says anymore. It does not make sense what he says anymore in his reading. And he can't even read well. And you want him for four years? You fucking dumbass Democrats? I do not understand. There is no other option, I will say. I am 100% still on board. No one 2024. Let's continue. 
him a chance to get back up and running. Let me close with this. Please close. The Republican officials say student loan relief is a giveaway to the privileged. You hear that loud now, the privileged. <laughs> I love the concern for the privilege. But I know who student loan borrowers are in this country. And so do all you. A couple putting off having a child until they can find their way to deal with their debt. That's who they are. They're a young put, putting off buying their first home until they can get out from under student loans. Well, that didn't make sense, but let's continue. Hope on the horizon, thanks to relief that I planned last year, today's court decision snatched it away from them. I get it. I get it. I hear this. It's, it's, and, and I'm concerned about it. But today's decision has closed one path. Now we're going to pursue another. I'm never going to stop fighting for you. We'll use every... Well, you never started, but all right. ...every tool at our disposal to get you the student debt relief you need and reach your dreams. It's good for the economy. It's good for the country. It's going to be good for you. Thank you very, very much for listening. We're going to get this done, God willing. And then we have, like, reality setting in. I love this part. Thank you. Mr. President, why did you give millions of borrowers false hope? You dated, doubted your own authority here in the past. I didn't give any false hope. The question was whether or not I would do even more than was requested. What I did I thought was appropriate, it was able to be done, it would get done. I didn't give borrowers false hope, but the Republicans snatched away the hope that it was, they were given, and it's real, real hope. Thank you. Mr. President, will you cancel I think the court misinterpreted the Constitution. Mr. President, when you made a failure in Afghanistan, mistakes, there was a, there was a report on Afghanistan which was saying there was failure, mistakes, do you want to meet? There was mistakes during the withdrawal and before? No, no, all we have is coming back there. Remember what I said about Afghanistan? I said Al-Qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. Thanks. Read your press. Press. Fucking, he's so dumb. Okay, so this Afghanistan thing, let's look into that because there was an, a report about the failure in Afghanistan that they had from the State Department, which they mentioned after that, but I kind of stepped over that. Sorry about that. Uh, well, they do not want to show me anything relevant, so that's fun today. All right, hold on. State Department. Mm -hmm. I hope people come in at some point because I am here. I do like to do these live, but if nobody shows up, there's not really a point. All right, here's, this is from CNN, so you know it's legit. Mr. CNN, it's minimal. The State Department has released a report on its investigation into the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The findings are, are damning. It's a 28-point report here. Our Kylie Atwood has been going through it. Kylie, a few things stand out to me, and I'm sure several stand out to you. Uh, one, from the very first point, insufficient senior-level consideration of worst-case scenarios. Uh, it notes that some officials question the decision-making leading up to this. It, it notes that the handing over Bagram Air Base uh, basically funneled everybody trying to leave the country to Hong Kong, to, rather to Hamid Karzai International Airport. 
listing throughout a number of failures in the preparation. Yeah, it's, it's a really damning report, uh, Jim. And I think it's important to note to folks that it covers the time period of January of 2020 when President Trump was in office and there was that agreement struck between the U.S. and the Taliban, which really paved the way for the United States to repair withdrawing from the country. And it covers through August of 2021, which is when the Biden administration was carrying out the actual withdrawal itself. And there is, as you actually noted, uh, that one finding that is at the top of these findings that I think really crystallizes what this report gets into. And it says, quote, that there were decisions beyond the scope of this review, but the team found that during both administrations, the Biden administration and the Trump administration, there was insufficient senior level consideration of worst case scenarios and how quickly those might follow. Now, what's clear as you read through this report is that there wasn't great organization or delineation of responsibility in this building at the State Department. One of the things that they point out is that there wasn't someone on the seventh floor here in the building dealing with crisis management for this. And the seventh floor is where the Secretary of State sits. There also wasn't a task force that was set up early enough to bring folks to the table to discuss what could be these crisis scenarios that they would face as they were preparing for the withdrawal. And when you have the Pentagon setting up that non-combatant evacuation operation, there wasn't a clear person at the State Department who was coordinating with that uh, Pentagon effort. And so that created confusion as well, according to this report. So there's quite a few things that the department didn't do that this report really gets into that are significant. And it also makes recommendations for how this department can better prepare for crises going forward, like getting the operation center here at the department up and running, fully staffed, so it can really be the central focal point uh, for where that crisis management lies. All right, so that's a little bit of that. I didn't want to go too off topic. Um, we got so much to cover. Oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. Um, so I have a bunch of articles that I wanted to read about. We got to do... It's one of those times we have to do a Jeffrey Epstein update because he's still relevant. Um, been dead forever, allegedly, and he's still on, he's still in charge of things. Like he's still not in charge of things. He's still being talked about and trying, people trying to get away from him and stuff. And it's just interesting. So there was a report from DOJ about the, um, I just, I, it's hard to even read these articles without just like being like, how stupid are you that you still think that you can convince people that he killed himself? Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Just saying. So this is an article published June 27th. So it's pretty, pretty recent. Um, this is called, this is from AP. Misconduct by federal jail guards led to Jeffrey Epstein's suicide, just Justice Department watchdog says. <sighs> sure. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein was left alone in his jail cell with a surplus of bed linens, just, you know, like you are, you know, just too many bed linens, you know, for whatever reason. Just We just wanted to put those there just to give you an idea of what to do with them, you know, just... Hang, hang some decorations, like really like make up your cell 
with some sheets, you know, put the sheets everywhere and just make yourself a little fort, you know, they just wanted the, him to have a fort. That's, that was the whole point of the linens. Okay. Nearly all, oh, sorry. The night he killed himself in quotations for me, nearly all the surveillance cameras on his unit didn't record. Oops. Uh, it was just one of those nights, I guess. One worker was on duty for 24 hours straight. And despite his high profile and a suicide attempt two weeks earlier, he wasn't checked on regularly as required. They just forgot to do their jobs for a little while. So it's, got, it's okay. The Justice Department's watchdog said Tuesday that a combination of negligence, misconduct, and outright job performance failures by the Federal Bureau of Prisons and workers at the New York City Jail enabled the wealthy financier to take his own life in August 2019, finding no evidence of foul play. I love how he's described all the time as financier before being described as a sex offender, as a, a predator, as a, a child molester. I love that that's what they go with every fucking time. It's like her and the socialite thing, you know, her, Gillen. It's just interesting to me that they keep, you know, having these nice ways of talking about it in the press. It's funny. These good signifiers um, designating, like, terms or whatever. Inspector General Michael Horowitz blamed numerous factors for Epstein's death, including the jail's failure to assign him a cellmate and overworked guards who lied on logs after failing to make regular checks. Had the guards done so, Horowitz said, they would have found Epstein had excess linens, which he used in his suicide. I can't. Hmm. The failures are deeply troubling, not only because they allowed his suicide, which didn't happen, but also because, because they led to the questions about the circumstances surrounding his death and effectively deprived Epstein's numerous victims of the opportunity to seek justice, Horowitz said in a video statement. Horowitz's investigation, the last of several official inquiries into Epstein's death, echoed previous findings that some members of the jail staff involved in guarding him were overworked. He identified 13 employees with performance failures and recommended possible criminal charges against four workers, well, we got some scapegoats up in here. Only the two workers assigned to guard Epstein the night he died were charged, avoiding jail time in a plea deal after admitting to falsifying logs. Horowitz's report also revealed new details about Epstein's behavior in the days before his death, including that he signed a new last will and testament while meeting with his lawyers two days before he was found unresponsive in his cell the morning of August, August 10th, 2019. Jail officials did not know about the new will until after his death, Horwood said. Few of the cameras in the area were where he was. Epstein was housed were making recordings of the images they captured due to a mechanical failure July 29th. The prison had contract, contracted for a camera system upgrade three years before his death, but it had not been completed, in part due to serious staffing shortages. Meanwhile, Epstein was alone the night of his death, even though the prison psychology department had informed 70 employees that he needed to be with a cellmate after his previous suicide attempt in July. 
His cellmate was nevertheless refer- transferred August 9th with no action taken to replace him. He was also allowed an unmonitored personal phone call the night before he was found dead, a violation of BOP policy. This is getting ridiculous. No, like this, this is absolutely ridiculous that anyone thinks that there's nothing fishy here. Like I can see this person writing this like, oh my gosh, do I really have to keep saying suicide? This is embarrassing. I can't do this anymore. Horowitz's report highlighted some of the many problems plaguing the Bureau of Prisons, many of which have been exposed by the Associated Press, the agency, the Justice Department's largest with more than 30,000 employees, 158,000 inmates, and an annual budget of about $8 billion is plagued by severe staffing shortages, staff sexual abuse, how interesting, and criminal conduct, among other issues. Bureau of Prisons said it was, has accepted all eight of Horowitz's recommendations, has updated its suicide watch process, and will apply other lessons learned to the broader BOP correctional landscape. The agency said it will review video to ensure correctional officers are making the proper rounds in restrictive housing and will require more paperwork when prisoners are kept alone in cells. A warden must now be notified when someone is placed on suicide watch, the agency said. It is also requiring specialized training on suicide prevention. This is insane. He didn't kill himself. This is so insane. We make every effort to create a controlled environment within our facilities that is both secure and humane, prioritizing the physical and emotional well-being of those in our care and custody, the Bureau of Prisons said in a statement. Horowitz's report comes nearly four years after Epstein took his own life, which totally didn't happen, at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan while awaiting trial on sex trafficking and conspiracy charges. It also comes weeks after the AP obtained thousands of pages of records detailing the wealthy financier, again, the his detention and death and its chaotic aftermath. Convicted pedophile, convicted serial child molester, whatever, convicted sex offender, anything else except financier. Shut the fuck up. All right. Horowitz's investigators found no evidence to suggest anything other than suicide. Of course they didn't. They weren't supposed to. Echoing the findings of New York City's medical examiner's office, which determined Epstein killed himself just, you know, after a very small very short investigation and a separate FBI investigation that found no crimes directly or associated with his death, with the death. No physical evidence supported any of the many conspiracy theories surrounding Epstein's death. Got to put this part at the end, I guess. Horowitz concluded and none of the video capture from the cameras that were recording showed any indication of anyone else in the cell. Well, they wouldn't, they were shut off, weren't they? Investigators, probed for possible money-changing hands involving guards, but found no evidence of that either. The workers assigned to guard Epstein were sleeping and shopping online instead of checking on him every 30 minutes as required, prosecutors said. Nova Noel and Michael Thomas submitted to lying on prison records to make it seem as though they had made the checks, but avoided prison time under a deal with prosecutors. They left a a sweetheart deal of sorts. We're going to get to one of those with another person later. They left the Bureau of Prisons in April 2022. 
agency spokesperson Benjamin O'Cone said, it's the second time in six months that Horowitz has blamed a high profile inmate's death on the Bureau of Prisons failings. In December, the inspector general found that management failures, flawed policies, and widespread incompetence were factors in notorious gangster James Whitey Bolger's 2018 beating death at a troubled West Virginia prison. The AP obtained more than 4,000 pages of documents related to Epstein's death from the Federal Bureau of Prisons under the Freedom of Information Act. The documents, including a reconstruction of events leading to his uh, suicide, the internal internal reports, emails, emails, memos, and other records, underscored how short staffing and corner cutting contributed to Epstein's death. Epstein spent 36 days at the now shuttered Metropolitan Correctional Center. Two weeks before his death, he was placed on suicide watch for 31 hours. After that, after what jail officials said was a suicide attempt that left his neck bruised and scraped. The workers tasked with guarding Epstein the night he died were working overtime. One of them, not normally assigned to guard prisoners, was working a fifth straight day of overtime. They're just overworked, guys. The other was working mandatory overtime, which meant a second eight-hour shift in one day. And I love how that's how they end this article. Like, just making so many excuses. By Michael R. Sizak and Lindsay Whitehurst. That's who wrote that shit. All right. So then we have more information coming out about Jeffrey Epstein. So I don't know if you heard that there's a lawsuit with J.P. Morgan Chase that was settled. And it involved um, survivors of abuse from Jeffrey Epstein who alleged that J.P. Morgan Chase had assisted him in many ways by not alerting anyone to, well, by working with him after he was a, a, a registered sex offender and everything and not having a problem with that and not bringing it up as an issue and just, you know, continuing to take his money and stuff for various things. So here we have the first article that I'm going to go into from Christopher, spelled with a K and an H for some reason. All right, cool. Jay Brooks, Jeffrey, February 16, 2023. So this is old, but this will give you like the background of what I'm talking about because I'm not, I'm not getting into the weeds with the whole legal aspect of it. So late, it says, um, it's called uh, Jeffrey Epstein shared photos of young women with JP Morgan chase exec lawsuit claims. And then there's a lawsuit you can read for yourself. I'll put it in there from corelistener.com. I put that in there as well. So you can read it for your, for your own, um, you know, peace of mind. Get, you know, get that information for yourself. Late New York financier, not sex offender, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein sent images of young women to a, why would he do that? And why are they young women? I look at them they never say young girls. These are girls. These are not 18-year-old and above women. Unless you want to say that that's what they are. If that's what they are, then okay. But you have to specify when that's not the case. And they don't. So it's very, they're muddying it for some reason. Just kind of still caping for him. Even though he's dead. It's weird. He's not really. Well, we don't know if he's dead. But anyway. I don't know what that was. Um, there was something in the background, and I heard it before, 
It's like a car backfiring or something. I don't know what's going on. Hell, it could be somebody doing some crazy shit. I've heard a lot of fireworks, that sort of thing, the last few days. They really get trigger happy with the fireworks nowadays before the 4th. So in the lead up to the 4th, they keep doing it like every night. Just whatever, sparklers and all this shit. Sparklers. No, it's just like fireworks every night. It's weird. That's not what that was. I don't know what that was, but it doesn't matter to you, so I'm going to keep going. Anyway, uh, he sent images of young women to a senior executive at J.P. Morgan Chase that the bank knew about but ignored for years, according to claims in a lawsuit made public this week. The U.S. Virgin Islands is suing J.P. Morgan, accusing it of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It was... This is the Virgin Islands one. There's two separate ones. My bad. Um, okay. So accusing it of facilitating Epstein's alleged sex trafficking across Florida and the U.S. territory by channeling funds to fund his activities and by concealing his conduct. There was something else just now. If you heard that, I don't know what it was. So it's probably someone just banging around something outside. I'm not sure. But... Um, Anyway, let's move on. The U.S. Territory filed its lawsuit last month, although specifics about the allegations were only made public on Wednesday. The lawsuit accuses Chase of participating in a sex trafficking venture. The bank on Thursday declined to comment about the lawsuit. Epstein was arrested and faced federal charges for, you know, with children and stuff. But anyway, Virgin Islands prosecutors allege Epstein compensated the girls, most of whom were from... Eastern Europe by wiring them funds from a Chase account. These women were trafficked and abused during different intervals between at least 2003 and July 2019 when Epstein was arrested and jailed. And these women received payments, typically multiple payments, between 2003 and 2013 in excess of $1 million collectively, the prosecutors allege in the lawsuit. Chase managed 55 separate accounts for Epstein between 1999 Eight and 2013, under the company's private banking division, the suit states. Jess Staley, who was head of that division and later became CEO of Barclays, exchanged about 1,200 emails with Epstein between eight, 2008 and 2012. And remember, this was after he was convicted the first time as a sex offender um, for having sex with a minor or what have you whatever ridiculous charge it was like that was like lessened in that sweetheart deal. Okay. Um, Staley and Epstein had developed a close friendship over the years. The lawsuit alleges in one message from December, 2009, Epstein allegedly wrote to Staley. You were with Larry and I had, you were with Larry and I had to put up with an, an attached an image of a young woman later that same month, Epstein sent a blank blank, email that contained another photo of a young woman, the suit states. And I guess we don't know what age they were, so we can't really say anything about that. The lawsuit doesn't describe what type of images Epstein allegedly shared with Staley, but court documents redacted the images from view. A lawyer representing Staley told the Telegraph in the UK that our client had no involvement in any of the alleged crimes committed by Mr. Epstein. Don't they always say that? Mm. Chase had opportunities to cut ties with Epstein in 2006, 2010, and 2011, but instead continued banking with him, the lawsuit alleges. 
JP Morgan knew early on that Epstein was an extremely high risk client, but decided at multiple points during the relationship to continue servicing Epstein's accounts because of his vast wealth and connections with other high net worth individuals, the lawsuit claims. Staley left Chase in 2013 and later joined British investment bank Barclays as chief executive. Staley stepped down from Barclays in November 2021 as investigators in the UK began probing his ties to Epstein. Epstein, who was a U.S. Virgin Islands resident and registered sex offender, died by suicide. No, he didn't, but anyway, in 2019 while awaiting trial in a New York jail. A federal judge last year sentenced his former girlfriend, not a sex offender herself, I guess, Galen Maxwell to 20 years in prison for helping him recruit girls, which sounds a lot better than what she actually did, which was participating in the abuse. Oh my gosh. Chase closed its Epstein accounts in 2013. The bank cooperated with federal prosecutors as they investigated Epstein's sex trafficking operation. This is from CBS News also. Sorry. Moving on. (sighs) Then we have this whole thing. I didn't want to get into it too much, but there was a board member of J.P. Morgan who was who died in a car crash recently and there's this whole article about that that I'll share in here for you to read that I read that was really interesting because it's like these conspiracy theories are saying like da, 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 but why did he you know they're asking why did he get removed from Chase's website and, da, 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 and all this stuff and then I went ahead and checked the Aspen Institute website because he's not chair on that board or whatever. Uh, (laughs) And I found that he was not on there either. Like they had made a statement, a public statement about his death, but they removed his page, which said that he was, uh, that he worked for Obama and whatnot and all this other stuff. And it was all these on all these boards. So that was interesting. I have not found a connection between this gentleman whose name was James Shine Crown and Epstein, but I wouldn't be surprised, but there's nothing that I can link them to. I can't link him to it. Okay, so here's the case that I was talking about before with JP Morgan reaching a settlement of $290 million. And the way the CNBC television will just like talk about this, like it's no big deal. Like, oh yeah, they reached a, you know, they're coming out, you know, swinging and they, they didn't admit guilt, but they gave him $290 million. And now they're, you know, on the stock market doing this and that. Just like, move on. Just move on from the whole case. It's fine. Just, let's just not talk about it anymore. Or the fact that they deleted all these files. But anyway, we'll come to that in a second. I think it's in this article. So this is from Bloomberg. This is from Hannah Levitt and Ava Benny Morrison, June 12th, 2023. Update on June 12th, 2023. Okay, so J.P. Morgan agrees to pay $290 million to settle Epstein case. An agreement in principle reached in the Jane Doe litigation, banks still facing related lawsuit from the U.S. Virgin Islands. So this is the only one that's been completed and has a settlement. So don't get those two confused. Okay, J.P. Morgan Chase and company agreed to pay $290 million to settle a lawsuit alleging it knowingly benefited from former client Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking, according to a person familiar with the matter. The agreement in principle would settle a proposed class action filed by an unnamed Epstein victim late last year. 
JP Morgan said in a statement Monday, the bank makes no admissions of liability. The person said asking not to be identified because the matter is private. We are all, we all now understand that Epstein's behavior was monstrous. And we believe this settlement is in the best interest of all parties, especially the survivors who suffered unimaginable abuse at the hands of this man. The New York based bank said any association with him was a mistake and we regret it. We would never have continued to do business with him if we believed he was using our bank in any way to help commit heinous crimes. But you would have some fucking, you know, idea of that being the case because he was already a sex offender, a ser like a serial, a, a registered sex offender. And so you should have known by that that you probably shouldn't do business with him. But you didn't. And then somebody was buddy-buddy with him. Okay, whatever. The deal with the victim, identified only as Jane Doe, doesn't end J.P. Morgan's legal headache over its ties to Epstein. That's all it is. Just a headache. Ugh, so uh, annoying. This is so annoying. I can't. It's still facing a lawsuit by the U.S. Virgin Islands where the financier, again, financier, they keep saying it. It's hilarious how they keep doing it. I can't keep getting away with it. Anyway, um, had a private retreat where he bought he brought several of his victims. The bank is also litigating its own case against former private banking head Jeff Staley, who J.P. Morgan says should be held responsible for damages it incurs over its Epstein's ties. Taken together or individually, the historic recoveries from the banks who provided financial services to Jeffrey Epstein speak for themselves, said David Boys, one of the attorneys for Doe. And oddly enough, like his own, he's a, he's his own fucking problem. Like that dude, I've talked about him before. That dude is not a good dude to have as the lawyer, but that's what happened. They got ahead of everything and, and gave this dude to, to the victims, the survivors. And he's not to be trusted because of his ties to Harvey Weinstein. Anyway, moving on, which is also, he's also fucking tied to Jeffrey Epstein because we know that they had a picture together with Gillen Maxwell and it's a whole big mess. So I don't even think that guy should be even allowed to do a case against Jeffrey Epstein or involving Jeffrey Epstein, but that's just me. What do I know? I'm not a lawyer. Let's move on. It has taken a long time, too long, but today is a great day for Jeffrey Epstein survivors and a great day for justice, says this dude who used to associate with Harvey Weinstein. Doe filed her pro proposed class action against J.P. Morgan, where Epstein was a client from 1998 to 2013 in November. And we talked about that before. U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff on Monday ruled that the case could go forward as a class action on behalf of all women who were sexually abused or trafficked by Epstein during the time he maintained accounts at J.P. Morgan. A different Doe re plaintiff represented by the same lawyers also sued Deutsche Bank AG, the German bank, which became Epstein's main financial institution after J.P. Morgan cut ties with him in 2013, agreed to settle its Doe suit in May for $75 million. The USBI filed its suit against J.P. Morgan weeks later. Both Doe and the USBI accused the bank of turning a blind eye to signs Epstein was using his account to traffic accounts to traffic young women, including paying settlements to victims and transporting them between his properties. Epstein allegedly moved hundreds of millions of dollars through at least 55 accounts. Though neither suit named Staley as a defendant, both alleged that he knew about 
Epstein's sex, traf sex trafficking and agreed, argued that his knowledge should be imputed to J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan has denied knowing about Epstein's crimes and has questioned whether the conduct allegedly witnessed by Staley fell under the legal definition of sex trafficking. Epstein died in jail, and we all know that whole story. Then they say at the end, there's um, a statement here. We are gratified to hear about the settlement that will provide victims of Jeffrey Epstein some compensation for J.P. Morgan Chase's role in facilitating Epstein's crimes against them, a spokesman for the U.S. Virgin Islands Attorney General said. The territory will continue with its case against the bank to prevent it from assisting and profiting from human trafficking in the future, he said. And then um, there's one more thing. Not one more thing, goodness me. A lot of things. Damn it. This is from the 19th of June. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's about Staley. So we talked about Staley, so we'll just skip that part. I'm going to skip that entirely. Who are the newly revealed Jeff Jeff Jeffrey Epstein associates from Chaz Danner and Benjamin Hart from the New York Intelligencer, uh, NewYorkMag.com Intelligencer website. This is from May 22nd, 2023. Just a reminder for you guys. If you missed it, um, let's see. Let's get to the names. Ehud Barak, former Israeli prime minister. Bill Gates. Oh, there's more on Bill Gates than I expected. Okay. The connection between Epstein and Gates has been well known for years, but in late May, the journal published a revelatory new story on their relationship. The paper reported that Gates had an affair with a bridge player named Milan Antonova in the early 2010s and that Epstein attempted to leverage his knowledge of the situation against the Microsoft co-founder. So he was blackmailing him. By Antonova's account, Gates, an avid bridge player, had met her at a tournament in 2010 while Gates was still married to his ex-wife, Melinda. Antonova later sought money to fund a startup that would help people learn the game online. Boris Nikolic, a friend, and then, I probably said that wrong, I don't care, uh, and then scientific advisor to Gates, introduced Antonova to Epstein in 2013. Epstein didn't, or so they say, Epstein didn't agree to fund the venture, but did pay for Antonova to go to software coding school. Then, in 2017, well after the Gates and Tanova relationship had ended, Epstein reportedly emailed Gates requesting that he reimburse him for the cost of the schooling. That message came shortly after Gates rebuffed Epstein's efforts to get a major charitable fund with J.P. Morgan Chase off the ground. There it is again. From the journal, the implication behind the message, according to people who have viewed it, was that Epstein could reveal the affair if Gates didn't keep up an association between the two men. But Gates reportedly never paid Epstein. I had no idea that he was criminal or had any ulterior motive, Antonova told the Journal of Epstein. I just thought he was a successful businessman and wanted to help, she said. I am disgusted with Epstein and what he did. And Nikolic said, I deeply regret that I ever met Epstein. His crimes were despicable. I never saw anything like his Ill illegal behavior. My heart goes out to his victims and their families. 
Then there's Leon Botstein, president of Bard College. Said he, he said he first met with Epstein in 2012 to thank him for be, making unsolicited donations to the college's high schools. Then he continued meeting with him to try to secure more. Epstein donated 66 laptops to Bard in 2015, according to the documents, and Botstein twice invited Epstein to musical performances at the college, but the longtime Bard president said he ultimately concluded that Epstein wasn't interested in making more donations, and he was simply stringing us along. A follow-up report from the journal found that Botstein accepted $150,000 in checks from an account linked to Epstein in 2016. Botstein claims that money was then donated to Bard, which was confirmed by the school. A, cons a spokesperson for Botstein added that the money was for his year-round, a year-long role on an advisory board for Gratitude America, Epstein's charity. I've never heard of that charity. That's the first thing I've heard about it. That Epstein was a convicted sex offender who had admitted to procuring a child for prostitution didn't dissuade Botstein, and never does, does it? And barred from seeking his financial support. We looked him up, and he was a convicted felon for a sex crime. Botstein told the journal, but we believe in re rehabilitation. He said they kept his criminal history in mind when Epstein visited the school. Because of his previous record, we had security ready. We did not, he did not have any free access to anybody. According to the plans in the documents, Epstein brought some of his young female assistants on his trips to Bard. Didn't. William Burns, CIA director. The documents indicate that Epstein had three scheduled meetings in 2014 with Burns, who was at that point the Deputy Secretary of State in the Obama administration. They, bet, they met both in Dis Washington, D.C. and New York, per the journal. A lunch was planned that August at the office of law firm Steptoe and Johnson in Washington. Epstein scheduled two evening appointments that September with Mr. Burns at his townhouse, the documents show. After one of the scheduled meetings, Epstein planned for his driver to take Mr. Burns to the airport. The longtime diplomat left the State Department in October of that year and became president of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, where he remained until President Biden nominated Burns to run the CIA in 2021. CIA spokesperson Tammy Coverman Thorpe released a statement to the journal denying Burns had any kind of relationship with Epstein. The director did not know anything about him other than that he was introduced as an expert in the financial services sector and offered general advice on transition to the private sector. They had no relationships, she said. Then we got good old Noam Chomsky. You remember that one when that was found out? That he was teaching at MIT. When he was teaching at MIT in 2015 and 2016, he, Epstein had donated hundreds of thousands of dollars there. The scheduled meetings included a cat gatherings of uh, gatherings of academics as well as a flight with Epstein aboard his private jet to New York to have a dinner at his townhouse with film director Woody Allen. Oh, it gets better and better. And his wife, Suni Previn. When the journal asked Chomsky about the meetings, the 94-year-old replied in an email that his first response is that it is none of your business or anyone's. Second is that I knew him and we met occasionally. Well, that makes me feel good about him. Chomsky said that he 
said he and Epstein discussed politics and academics, and if there was a flight, which I doubt, it would have been fr from Boston to New York 30 minutes. I'm unaware of the principle that requires that I inform you about an evening spent with a great artist. What was known about Jeffrey Epstein was that he had been convicted of a crime and had served his sentence, Chomsky told the journal, according to U.S. laws and norms that yields a clean slate. He also said Epstein arranged for him to meet Barack's, Barack being uh, Ehud Barak, the Israeli prime minister, so they could talk about Israel's policies with regard to Palestinian issues and the international arena. A follow-up report from the journal showed that Chomsky received a transfer of around $270,000 from an account linked to Epstein in March 2018. My, life, my late wife died 15 years ago after a long illness. We paid no attention to financial issues, he explained by email. We asked Epstein for advice. The simplest way seemed to be to transfer funds from one account in my name to another by way of his office. It's just a simple thing to do. You know, we're just normal people doing our normal shit. Then we have someone, I'm not even going to try to pronounce their name, T-E-R-J-E-R-O-D-L-A-R-S-E-N, noted ex-diplomat. He may not be a household name, but he's a big deal in diplomatic circles, having helped put together the landmark Oslo Accords in the early 1990s. Per the journal, he was such a fixture at the New York townhouse that Epstein owned between 2013 and 2017 that the staff knew to have cucumbers ready for his gin. He also received a personal loan from Epstein as well as a donation to his nonprofit. He stepped down from that nonprofit when his ties to Epstein were initially revealed in 2020. He gave no additional comment to the journal this week. Joshua Cooper Ramo, a FedEx board member, also is involved. And it says here he, they report that Epstein scheduled more than a dozen meetings over the four years with Ramo, who was at that point a co-CEO of Henry Kissinger's consulting company. Ramo also served on the board of Starbucks and still serves on the board of FedEx. Most of the meetings were scheduled in the evening at Epstein's Manhattan townhouse. Epstein also invited him to a 2013 breakfast at the townhouse that Barack attended. Again, Barack being Ehud Barak. Um, no comment there. Ariane de, Ross, de Rothschild, chairman of Edmund de Rothschild, de Rothschild's group. We already knew about the relationship, but um, he and the, the other chick, the other de Rothschild. But here's a, in 2019, the, the private Swiss bank, Edmund de Rothschild group, um, falsely claimed it and its chairwoman, Ariane de Rothschild, had no ties to Epstein, according to the documents reviewed by the journal. Mrs. de Rothschild, who married into the famous banking family, had more than a dozen meetings with Epstein. He sought her help with staffing and furnishings, as well as discussed business deals with her, according to the documents. In September 2013, Epstein asked Mrs. de Rothschild in an email for help finding a new assistant, female multilingual organized. I'll ask around, she emailed back. She brought... She bought nearly $1 million worth of auction items on Epstein's behalf in 2014 and 2015, the documents show. She was named chairwoman of the bank in January 2015. That October, she and Epstein negotiated a $25 million contract for Epstein's Southern Trust Company to provide risk analysis and the application and use of certain algorithms for the bank. 
In a response to the journal, the bank admitted that its 2019 statement was inaccurate and said that De Rothschild had business-related meetings with Epstein from 2013 to 2019, that he had introduced the bank to U.S. finance leaders, provided tax and risk consulting, and had recommended law firms. The bank also said that Epstein solicited her personally on a couple occasions for advice and services on estate management and that she was similarly unaware of any questions regarding his personal conduct at the time and didn't want to look him up or see any information about him first. Catherine Rumler, Goldman Sachs general counsel, was also involved with him. She took a job as a top lawyer at the Goldman Sachs group in 2020, where she co-chairs the first the firm's reputational risk advisory committee. A Goldman, Goldman Sachs Spokesperson told the journal that her relationship with Epstein was professional and related to her work at Latham and Watkins. They said that she never noticed anything untoward at his townhouse, that she never flew anywhere with him, and that she never visited his island, and that her comment was, I regret ever knowing Jeffrey Epstein. Then there's Larry Summers. Good old Larry Summers. Ties between, oh, is this a different Summers? Sorry. Lawrence Summers. Ties between Epstein and the ex-Treasury Secretary and Harvard President were already well known, but the journal provides more detail about their connection. Though Harvard stopped accepting donations from Epstein after his 2008 conviction, Summers continued to meet with him frequently. The paper uncovered an email Summers sent to Epstein in 2014, which he asked the financier's advice on how to raise money for a nonprofit poetry initiative Spearheaded by his wife, Harvard professor Elisa New, I knew I need small-scale philanthropy advice. My life will be better if I raise $1 million for Lisa, Summers wrote. Mostly it will go to make it a PBS series and for teacher training. Ideas? Epstein and Summers made plans for dinner near Summers' Massachusetts home two days later, and in 2016, an Epstein-linked nonprofit gave $110,000 to New's project. In a statement to the journal, Summers and New said that Summers deeply regrets being in contact with Epstein, but they do, after his conviction. New regrets accepting funding from Epstein and that New's nonprofit had made a donation exceeding the amount received it had received from Epstein in an, in, to an anti-sex trafficking group, ironic. Peter Thiel, the New York Times reports that according to Epstein's scheduling records, Epstein had several meetings with Thiel in 2014. The, rec the rec records in the form of emails that Mr. Epstein's assistant sent to behind to remind him of upcoming events show that in September 2014, Mr. Thiel was scheduled to meet with Mr. Epstein on at least three occasions, either in one-on-one -on -one meetings or with others over lunch or dinner. Two other times, Mr. Thiel was listed among more than a dozen other well-known people Mr. Epstein should try to see while at his New York mansion. It's unclear from the records whether all the meetings with Mr. Teal took place. Some were listed as tentative or TBD or to be determined. And the journal in question in this article is the Wall Street Journal, in case you don't know what that means. Um, so then we go to this next one. Then there's another article that I found from May 18, 2023 from the Sydney Morning Herald, SMH. <laughs> 
Uh, Jeffrey Epstein keeps haunting Wall Street long after his death, and that has a little more information about his relationship with Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase. So, and then Gates Foundation and everything um, is mentioned there too, and Jamie Dimon and all this stuff. So, if you want to know a little more, you can go there. Um, I guess we get back to the YouTubes. So, what happened next is. What we wanted to talk about next is Hunter Biden. So Hunter Biden got his own little sweetheart deal, if you haven't heard yet. And that was quite interesting. Um, let me get to that. Hold on. We'll go to the, YouTube, to the YouTube in a minute, but let's go to Twitter first. This is from Catherine Herridge, who did the story for CBS. So this is going to tell you what happened with him. And what's going on there. there was Hold on one second. Attended last night's state dinner ahead of his expected guilty plea to tax charges. House Republicans have just revealed testimony Ridiculous. from two IRS officials who claim there was sweeping misconduct in the Biden investigation. Senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge has more on that part of the story. IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley spoke to congressional investigators in May. He said IRS investigators recommended charges for tax evasion, filing a false tax return for the tax years 2014, 2018, and 2019, all felonies, plus charges for failure to file or pay several years. Those are misdemeanors. A conviction on these charges could bring hefty fines and up to five years in prison. But the plea deal filed this week by the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, David Weiss, said the president's son agreed to enter guilty pleas for two misdemeanor tax charges. As part of the deal, Biden will avoid full prosecution on a separate gun charge. A source familiar with the terms told CBS News his legal team expects probation, not jail time. Shapley also alleged there was a recovered 2017 WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden to a Chinese businessman over an outstanding payment stating, quote, I am sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Hunter Biden allegedly texted, according to the transcript, I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. CBS News has not independently verified the message. The U.S. attorney in Delaware declined to comment on the whistleblower allegations, but in a recent letter to Congress said he has been granted ultimate authority over this matter. The Congressional Committee senior Democrat said the release of the transcripts is premature, not fully vetted, and he scolded Republicans for not waiting for the investigators to release their findings. Hunter Biden's legal team did not respond to CBS News's questions. The Justice Department and White House reiterate that the matter is being handled independently by the Delaware U.S. Attorney Vlad. Okay, so then we had this whole mess happen where... Um, this was today where they brought it up oh it's in my hello twitter l okay so i did get a little bit of a clip when they were mentioned when they mentioned him to the press secretary in the press briefing the other day let me play that clip for you once i get to it it's pretty hilarious. Okay. Well, first things was they questioned John Kirby. And then John Kirby said what he said. So this is what happened here when it was mentioned first to John Kirby. 
Um, this is my tweet. Uh, this was an eventful press briefing thanks to some based questions from reporters about the WhatsApp messages RE Joe Biden and his ne'er-do-well money laundering son Hunter Biden. Thanks for the entertainment today, I said. So here's the part that I clipped. Hold on a second. It sounds better on my phone. Fuck it. I'll go to the I'll go to the original clip if I still have it on my phone. And I do. Here we go. All right, I'll turn that up. happens when she is questioned when uh Karine Jean-Pierre the press secretary is questioned and I wrote as soon as Hunter Biden is mentioned press sec avoids the question and leaves the room another fitting into a clown show press briefing this is from four days ago all right so let's go to her part Thank you. 
And that was it, you know, she just left, so that was fun. Um, then we got, let's see what else. Then we had the Modi, so they were talking about the state dinner. State dinner was when Modi, who is a weffer, I'll show his page, don't worry. Um, he is a weffer. He showed up, he, he came and visited and talked to the president, and the president had a, uh, had a, conference with them or whatever with the press or whatever they call it um and then like they had a whole state dinner to like welcome him and everything and who shows up but hunter good old hunter biden who had just been charged with misdemeanors in his sweetheart deal so here's a little clip about that that from good old today show who even can't even believe it <laughs> now to that appearance that turned the lob heads in washington overnight Hunter Biden attended the White House state dinner for India's prime minister just days after striking a plea deal to settle federal tax charges. And NBC's senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell joins us now with more on this. And Kelly, first of all, good morning to you. This was a very, very public appearance. First of all, was it expected given it's only been a, a few days since that plea deal? Well, good morning, Craig. The White House didn't make public ahead of time until the guest list came out that Hunter Biden was coming. But you saw the president's son on full display. He's the first child of a sitting president criminally charged. And he was invited to be among the high profile guests at the White House state dinner. We saw him mixing and mingling in black tie at this glamorous affair, along with a number of Biden family members. The White House it's crackhead privilege, right? Let's continue. Has also invited Attorney General Merrick Garland and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who says the House GOP should keep investigating the president's son and his foreign business dealings. Now, this was Hunter Biden's first public appearance after the announcement on Tuesday that he entered into a plea agreement deal with a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. And that deal ends a five-year investigation into the younger Biden's finances, and it resolves a gun possession charge during a time when Hunter Biden says he was addicted to drugs. Now, his first court appearance for that is set for July 26th on two misdemeanor counts related to his taxes. He doesn't have to say he was addicted to drugs. That's pretty obvious when you look at his con the content on his laptop. Well, meanwhile, there's some, uh, some new whistleblower testimony that's also making headlines. What more can you tell us oh, about yeah, that? that yeah, this is far from over. A GOP-led House committee released testimony from two IRS agents and whistleblowers on Tuesday who say the DOJ and other government officials improperly interfered in their Hunter Biden investigation, giving him what they say is preferential treatment. One of those agents also provided what he says are WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden to a Chinese business associate in 2017. And in that, he says he is sitting with his father, who was then the vice president, waiting for an answer to a proposal and that he would not regret following, not following the direction. That's the interaction with the Chinese businessman. Now, NBC has not confirmed the authenticity of the message, and the White House says there was no political interference here. Hunter Biden's attorneys have not commented. Okay? Of course, they would never lie, right? Uh, let's move right along because there's so much to talk about. So I, I've left those document, uh, those um, those links and whatever, and I will leave those in in the show notes and what have you. 
Oh, we gave money to the Nazis again. That that happened. We can't go over everything here, but we can go over that a little bit more. And the Wagner Group stuff, we can go over a little bit more um, in the next episode, <sighs> which will probably be a YouTube live stream. Um, and then I will also read the Unabomber manifesto there, I guess. <sighs> if that's allowed, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I was gonna, but okay. So then we have a COVID distraction. So the distraction of the day is when the DNI came out with their report. You may have seen it, not a big deal. But um, it came to the conclusion that there's no conclusion. <laughs> there's just no conclusion. We don't know if it's animal origin, if it, you know, COVID, if COVID was, was from the lab. I mean, there's just no way of knowing. We just have no way of knowing what the case may be in that. Um, so let me go there real quick. Uh, paste and go. I'll read a teeny bit about that. I wish there was, I'm sure AI has a summary of it. June 2023. Okay, we look at the executive summary. Let's look at that. That's easy. Uh, this report responds to the COVID-19 Origin Act of 2023, which called for the U.S., intelligence community, IC, to declassify information related to potential leaks, links between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. Sorry, pandemic. This report outlines the IC's understanding of the WIV, its capabilities, and the actions of its personnel leading up to and the early and in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, this report does not address the merits of the two most likely pandemic origins hypotheses, nor does it explore, it doesn't do anything, other bi biological facilities in Wuhan other than the WIV. A classified annex to this report includes information that was necessary to exclude from the unclassified portion of this, doc of this report in order to protect sources and methods, but the information contained in the annex is consistent with the unclassified assessments contained in this report. This report was drafted by the DNI, sorry, the National Intelligence Officer for Weapons of Mass Destruction and Proliferation and coordinated with the IC. So yeah, uh, some redacted information there, but basically nothing, no conclusion. How convenient. Then we've got some more Twitter stuff. So what happened on Twitter this month was that Peter Hotez was, was asked to debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on vaccines for Joe Rogan's show. And he said no. And then he was just like a little butthurt baby about it. And was like, everybody agree with me on Twitter. And he just loves Twitter so much. He, he's on Twitter more than he probably practices medicine. But anyway, he made this whole stink about it. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm above it, blah, blah, blah. So I just wanted to remind you of who this guy is because he's pretty interesting. Because he started out being very much against the vaccine being developed with the um, Operation Warp Speed situation. And then it turned out he was like, oh, wait, I have Pfizer money now. So, or whatever, allegedly, whatever. <laughs> and um, then he just decided to be totally for that when it came to the Biden regime. So when the Biden regime started, it was all like, oh, wait, we need people to get this vaccine and everything. So he even testified in everything like that, that it was very dangerous to 
quickly make the vaccine in the very beginning. And then he just did a 180, basically. So if I look up Hotez, vaccinate, I'll see that. Oh, and then there was, like, uh, an article, like, really just sad about him. And, like, oh, he's been, like, targeted and everything. Mm. Whatever, dude. Um, so let's do a clip of him talking about... We have to vaccinate our way out of this. Which, as I said, aged like fine milk. Aged like fine milk. Aged like milk um, on Twitter. Damn it, my phone. Damn phone. All right, paste and go. And then we'll get to the next thing, but we're getting through this really quickly because it was relevant to a lot of people. And I'd like to take the piss out of Peter Hotez because he's a piece of shit. Meanwhile, public health officials say they are seeing signs of an early and severe flu season. According to the CDC, the U.S. Oh, remember has that? <laughs> the highest levels of hospitalizations from influenza, influenza in a decade for this time of year. Nearly every United U.S. state. That's not what I wanted, though. That's him get, promoting the booster. But I'll go to the next one instead. Hold on. Do, 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 do. We don't have time. All right. No, this is the one saying, he's been oh, he's been harassed. Oh, my gosh. Poor guy. Oh, my gosh. It's so sad. All right. We'll just go to the Twitter then because it's not letting me do it any other way. So let me get that. Copy link. I'm having phone issues, but I'm fixing it. Don't worry. I'm trying my best to get this done in five minutes. That's what she said. It's all been left to the states, and we're now we're in this dire situation where we're at 3,000 uh, deaths per day and 200,000 new cases a day. And remember what that number really means. It's Those are underestimates by a factor of four or five. We're talking about a million new cases a day. And because we haven't had that national program, we're backed into a corner. We have no choice now but to vaccinate our way out of this. And How did that go? Are we out of it because we vaccinated our way out of it? I don't think so. I don't think we ever got that herd immunity that we were supposed to get either. And then in other news, <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this because we didn't get to biometric updates, but like some shit's going on. So I guess I'll get to that on the next thing. And then we'll do Black Rock and Bitcoin. There's so much going on this month. You don't even know. And we'll do more Modi shit. But here's what I want to leave you with. Like, there's a disinformation bill. We can't not do this part because, excuse me. We can't not do this part because this part is at the end of my title. And if I don't get to the disinformation other than that part, because that was definitely disinformation that he was saying, then what is the point of anything? All right, here we go. This is a 37-page report. It says the weaponization of CISA... How a cybersecurity agency colluded with big tech and disinformation partners to censor Americans. An interim staff report of the Committee on the Judiciary and the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, U.S. House of Representatives, June 26, 2023. And if we read the executive summary, and of course we're going to because that's all we have that we can get into, 
One could argue we're in the business of critical infrastructure and the most critical infrastructure is our cognitive infrastructure. So building that resilience to misinformation and disinformation, I think is incredibly important. CISA director, Jen Easterly, November 10, 2021. The First Amendment recognizes that no person or entity has a monopoly on the truth and that the truth of today can quickly become the misinformation of tomorrow. Labeling speech misinformation or disinformation does not strip it of its First Amendment protection. As such, under the Constitution, the federal government is strictly prohibited from censoring Americans' political speech. The government also may not use third parties to bypass the First Amendment and conduct censorship by proxy. The Committee on the Judiciary and the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government have been conducting an investigation into government-induced censorship on social media. Although the investigation is ongoing, information obtained to date has revealed that the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency that's a lot of security. Okay. An upstart agency within the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, has facilitated the censorship of Americans directly and through third-party intermediaries. Founded in 2018, CISA was originally intended to be an ancillary agency designed to protect critical infrastructure and guard against cybersecurity threats. In the years since its creation, however, CISA metastasized into the nerve center of the federal government's domestic surveillance and censorship operations on social media. By 2020, CISA routinely reported social media posts that allegedly spread disinformation to social media platforms. By 2021, CISA had a formal Miss Dis and Miss Malinformation, MDM, team. In 2022 and 2023, in response to growing public and private criticism of CISA's unconstitutional behavior, CISA attempted to camouflage its activities, duplicitously claiming it serves a purely informational role. This interim staff report details, among other things, that CISA is working with federal partners to mature a whole-of-government approach to curbing alleged misinformation and disinformation. CISA considered the creation of an anti-misinformation rapid response team capable of physically deploying across the United States. CISA moved its censorship operation to a CISA-funded nonprofit after CISA and the Biden administration were sued in federal court, implicitly admitting that its censorship activities are unconstitutional. CISA wanted to use the same CISA-funded nonprofit as its mouthpiece to avoid the appearance of government propaganda and members of CISA's advisory committee agonized that it was only a matter of time before someone realizes we exist and start asking about our work. And so you can read more about this. I will put it in the links below in the description. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry it took over an hour and a half. It wasn't supposed to, but it did. And I appreciate you listening and stay tuned for the live stream on YouTube where we go into more details of what happened this month. It was a crazy pride month. Happy July to people who give a shit about that and enjoy your holiday weekend, I guess. And thanks again for listening to me and caring what I have to say, everybody who does. 
it really means the world to me that I have anyone who listens to this show at all. And if you could share it, that'd be great. I work really hard on it, whatever. Anyway, I love you very much. Sleep well, um, prepare for the future. Don't let the AI control every, everything and it'll all be all right, I hope. So anyway, we'll get through this together as we always have. Bye.